Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Today we are kicking off our series, which is called Calling Shotgun. And um, I'm sure many of you remember the days when you were 10, 11, 12 years old and I finally got some front seat privileges and maybe your parents, um, you know, were taking you and there was, a, there was a, the empty seat up front. Um, you know, if you were riding in a car back in the day, especially in the summer, that's where the that's where the AC was blowing good, you know. The back seat were the chumps that they continued to sweat after the first seat got the fresh, the fresh AC. And um, and so, but it was just one of those things. You're just excited to do that. You're excited to 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 call shotgun and to say, I'm pumped to be along for the ride. And as the children of God, we're supposed to be in the space, but we let him drive and we willingly choose, we willingly call shotgun even in our own lives. Let him lead and guide and direct us in life. If you've got your bulletin, you got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track along with us today, um, we're going to lead off with this idea that letting Jesus drive, letting him be Lord, it's honestly, it's the most liberating thing that we can do. The idea of releasing lordship um, it's a little creepy to us. It feels like we're actually going to not be um, in control. We're going to be confined in this space. But really, if we'll let Jesus be who he wants to be in our lives, that's actually where we're going to step into freedom. That's actually where things are going to be set free. But most of the time, we're unaware that we need help until all of a sudden, it is just apparent to us and everybody around that we need help. We kind of just stay in control as long as we possibly can. And, and uh, when Cutie and I were, had been married for hours, we, we weren't even calling it in lengths of days yet. It was hours. And we got married there and Odessa came here for spend our first night in our apartment here. And then we're going to go start our honeymoon in beautiful, romantic Dallas, Texas. And so, and uh, that was where it was. It was, hey, it was lovely. It was awesome. It was, it was, oh, it was away. And uh, so I was, um, you know, driving. All I had to do initially was find my way over to I-20 and just most of the time just go down I-20. Here's the problem. Um, we, we were married at the end of 1993, which there was no GPS. Um, I had not been, I was 20 years old. I had not traveled and driven around by myself. There was not even the old like Google, like Google Maps, like, you know, that little season where we all used to like go online to get our destinations and print a custom map and custom directions, print it out and carry it with us. Anybody else do that? Just, yes, that was life before the little GPS that you stuck, you know, to your windshield and it would fall down at the most inconvenient spot. Um, and so, no, this was back in the day where you actually had to have a paper map 
um, and do it like, you know, we're Lewis and Clark out here, just like exploring, you know, the, the Louisiana Purchase, you know, and then this map, you never could fold right back and get it all the way it came out. You finally just got mad and just shoved it in the glove compartment, kicked the thing closed, and, and you're just like, that's how we were trying to navigate. That's how we were trying to get around. It's just that old school way. Well, man, I'm, you know, new husband and, you know, we're headed off and she is still in this phase. I kept it sadly too short, but she was in the phase that, man, I was Superman. I knew what I was doing. I could get us around. I, she, I was the guy with the plan and she could just sit back and chill. And so we're driving, and of course, to get to Dallas from this direction, you, you go through Fort Worth, and I still, to this day, I don't know exactly what happened. Um, but at some point, I finally just ended up in a parking lot with nowhere to go. And I was in Fort Worth. That was not at my destination. The sad thing was is that I was, I was lost, but I did not know I was lost until I was out of options. And finally, when I'm in a parking lot, I'm not even on a street anymore. I'm in a parking lot and I have nowhere to go. It finally dawns on me, I'm lost. And Cutie looks at me and is like, oh, what are we doing? What is this place? I was like, I have no idea what this place is. I don't know where we are. And she learned real quick, this till death do us part thing is going to be a lot of fun. And so, and uh, and so, you know, I had to, finally had to retrace my t- steps. And, and there was this space that so many of us, we understand and we make our decision that we know we're lost. We know we're disconnected. The Holy Spirit convicts us and we say yes to Jesus. That's the bulk of us in this room. We're a part of church to, to, to enjoy that and to grow in that. And, and we said yes to Jesus because we knew we were stuck. We knew we were without options. We knew we needed help. And we said yes to Jesus in that moment of being conscious of our need for him being conscious of being lost. And if we're not careful, the way we started our relationship with him is the way we will carry on our relationship with him. We will feel like everything is good and okay because we have the reassurance that we're his and he is ours. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we're the children of God, that heaven is our home, we're fully, we're fully his. And then we just kind of go through life forgetting to let him be Lord and not even knowing their spaces, we're off the rails and headed for a dead end. But then we find ourselves in the dead end and we go, hey God, I need some help over here. And he says, no, you don't need help here. You needed help 10 miles ago. And you were just so oblivious. You didn't even know you needed help. But if we'll stay connected, and that is what this Calling Shotgun series is about, is to break out of that loop, break out of that loop in our, in our spiritual life in Christ, to not just respond out of our place of need and praise God, we can always go to him in our place of need, always. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need in it. That is amazing. So many times that's when we want to sheepishly approach the throne. Lord, I know I've messed up again. You think you could help me? He's like, yes, you're my child, of course. 
We can boldly approach stone of grace in our time of need, but lordship is learning how to navigate life and stay on his path and not end up in the dead ends. Not end up in those spaces. Be able to do life in Christ a little differently. And so praise God with the way we all said yes to Jesus is recognizing we were kind of out of some options. We needed a savior. Jesus is that. But now we have to learn how to let him be Lord, how to let him guide us and direct us and lead us every day of our life. And we have to choose shotgun or else we will constantly get back in to that driver's seat. Of course, the history on riding shotgun goes well before cars and 12-year-olds wanting to sit in the front seat. It, it goes way back to the stage coaches, you know, in the wild, wild west when it was super wild and you had the driver who had the reins and the person sitting next to them literally held the shotgun to defend turf and protect everybody and they're an active participant. They weren't over their sleep, they're an active participant but someone else is in the driver's seat. God's called us to be active participants in our lives. This isn't about just kick it back and do it nothing, but we want him to be the one in the driver's seat leading and guiding and directing. We can't look at lordship. Every time I talk about lordship, I always come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, because this to me is the framework of stepping into and embracing lordship. It says, now the Lord is a spirit. Now we understand this is, this is Jesus we're talking about. And it could have said Jesus. Could have said Christ. But instead, you know, Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. He's Messiah. He is Savior. Um, but instead we're here, we have the word Lord because Lord is who we need to let him be in our lives. We got to give him that position in our lives. And now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is or the spirit of lordship is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of lordship is, there's freedom. Now that, it sounds like, no, where the spirit of me is, there's freedom. Now if I'm in control, that's when I'm free. No, when you're in control, that's where you eventually end up in a ditch. And the sooner we understand that, the better we can embrace where we let him be Lord. That's where freedom really exists. So how do we do that? How do we grow in that? And I'm so thankful Paul keeps writing. And in verse 18, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And let's kind of break that down right quick. We all with unveiled faces. Unveiled faces is means that we, we've removed anything that, that tried to, to, to separate us a little bit, to, to shield us or to hide us. Sometimes there's a space where we can be a, stop with the lordship because we think we need to be shielded. We don't recognize he's fully trustworthy. We've got to protect ourselves. And sadly, that place of self-protection was, was built because people have hurt you People failed you. People that you were supposed to be trustworthy were not. And we naturally build up that thing to shield us. But we cannot really invite him to be Lord if we're going to shield ourselves. The other thing a veil is, is to hide, to, to conceal. So we can't have this thing that's either going to shield or conceal. 
We have to be vulnerable. We have to let him have access. In fact, you'll notice in your life, you'll notice, you know, you know you. The places where you let him be Lord are the places where you've dropped the veil and you've given him access. You've given him a place of openness in your life. Some of you have done that with your families and you're like, yes, I very much want that. But there's other places you've kept something aside. You've kept the veil up. Maybe it's on a space of finances. Maybe it's a place you just grew up in a, in a place of just lack and struggle. and You're afraid that God is you let him into your finances he's just going to have you give all your stuff away and you'll be be broke and poor you'll never have any fun that's not it at all that's not it at all there's space where sometimes with our friendships with our marriages with our career with our self identity we can put these veils up and the only way we're going to step into lordship is when we have unveiled faces and so we have these unveiled faces and we contemplate the lord's glory this means we're going to do some active thinking okay contemplating is is active thinking we're contemplating the lord's glory now most of the time when you and i do active thinking we're active thinking about our own selves or somebody else or the way they impacted us that's where all of our thought energy naturally goes to. But here he's saying, no, let's, let's, let's redirect that thought energy and let's think about the goodness of God. Let's think about the Lord's glory. What, what, he, what he does that's wonderful and amazing in our lives. Let's think about that. Because then this is going to happen. Then we're going to be transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The reason we need to keep Jesus on the forefront of our minds that we need to think about him isn't because God is this narcissistic being and he just wants us thinking about him all the time. No, it's that when we begin to recalibrate remember we're made in his image if we don't keep his image that, that in front of us we will get a hold of a different image and that will begin to be made in that image so we have to keep the original design in front of us we keep that squarely in front of us and we let that begin to remake us because it says at that point we begin to be transformed into his image because we think about who he is you take a, you go out to Austin or one of the bigger communities. In fact, I've, I've seen it here on the on the Concho River. Have one of our local artists out there with a little easel and you know a canvas and their paints and you know they're 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 you know painting the downtown or painting the Concho River and all of its majesty. And um, and so and and they're there and you'll notice. Just sit back and watch. And they spend a ton of time looking and studying what they're wanting to see develop on that canvas. In fact, there's a lot of times they're looking more at the subject that they are even at the canvas. And they don't start out just staring at the canvas and going, canvas, what's wrong with you? Why do you not look like this image? What's wrong with you? No, they begin to look at the image and then they recognize what needs to shift. And all of a sudden, they begin to to be able to make the strokes. And if you've ever watched... uh, Good old Bob Ross, you know, with his big, you know, brown, you know, ball of hair and all his happy little trees and 
all that stuff and you watch him paint and as he's painting and he initially goes in and puts the background on and he puts a little mountain and does a little lake and every stroke that he does, you begin to see where it's going. It's a new level of glory for that painting. And then as he adds a second happy little tree and a third happy little tree, it's just becoming more and more what it's supposed to be. Not that there was anything wrong with the first happy little tree. That was like, oh yeah, that looks like a tree. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And it was a part of its glory. And then another one gets added and it's moved on to a glory with ever increasing glory. Here's the problem, is you and I tend to fixate on all the stuff that's not right. We tend to fixate on all of those things. Instead, what we need to do is fixate on the one who is right. When all of a sudden we begin, and then now it says we do that and we'll begin to be transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, again in the New King James Version, it says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So we're supposed to be looking into his face, but with the same intensity, that you look in a mirror with yourself. Like, just like a mirror. You look into a mirror, man, you are looking. You are scrutinizing. Man, some of you ladies, you can get down to the details. Like, you flip that little mirror over and it's like the, the five by and the 10 by. And like, all of a sudden you see every little eyebrow piece that ain't quite right. Nobody else on the planet notices if that hair is there or not. But you notice, you are contemplating, you are intense. It's like he says, take that intensity and focus it on Jesus. Just like you do with a mirror. Take that intensity and begin to notice him like that. Begin to notice the details of Jesus. Begin to notice all of the little pieces of Jesus like that. Don't be hyper-focused on yourself. It's that you've learned it from looking in a mirror, but now I want you to look into his face. Just like with your activity with a mirror. You're being transformed into the same image for glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 reminds us, it says... Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that is the framework. We have to remember God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You have to offer them. That's the calling shotgun. I'm choosing to give this to you. As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. That's our spiritual act of worship by inviting him in to this space. That is what makes the difference, okay? And you take two people that are spending some time in the scriptures and a spiritual act of worship in the scriptures is to take your Bible and say, Lord, I'm about to spend some time in your word. Lord, show me what you want to speak to me. Lord, I want to, I want to understand you in a, in a deeper way. And you spend time in the scriptures and you let God begin to do it. You talk to somebody who's good at teaching and, and you go, hey man, Pastor Keenan, how do you how do you get all that out of the Bible? I've read that, I've read those those scriptures before, I've read those stories before. How'd you see all that? Well guess what? Pastor Keenan says, Lord, I want to see you when I read it. And then all of a sudden, same scriptures, same stories, and the Holy Spirit's going boom, 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 boom. 
all of a sudden now that's, that's a spiritual act of worship is, Lord, I want to know you in this. And then you have someone sitting right next to this person and they're like, you know what? I need to be a good Christian and I'm going to read three chapters today. And they're there reading three chapters. And one is a spiritual act of worship, offering themselves on hand. And the other is a dead act of religion. If we're just checking a box. Now, here's the cool thing is God's word is so powerful. If you spend some time with it, it'll show up and it'll sneak in even if you were just meaning to check a box. So I'm here to tell you, spend some time in God's word. Just spend some time in his word. But it becomes as when we offer ourselves, same thing with worship. We just had a wonderful time of worship this morning. But you can sing the songs. You can raise your hands. You can do all of that and not have your heart engaged. It's like, I wanted to connect with God. Offering ourselves is what is the spiritual act of worship. So what we need to understand is that letting Jesus be Lord means letting him lead and guide and direct you. Matthew 11, we'll be in 28. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's at that take my yoke upon you. That is part of the choosing. He didn't say, just get used to me being Lord. He says, no, take it on. You choose it. And then you'll find that he'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. We're going to go ahead and jump down, guys, to the next point that Jesus is a good Lord. And he isn't here to dominate, but to liberate. And we have to have it top of mind that he is a good Lord. Otherwise, we'll begin to put walls up. Why? Because all of culture tells us lords are bad. You got Lord Vader. You got all of these, all of these different lords. Even in the Lego movie, you got Lord Business. Like, it's just, they're always bad. You never find good lords. If there's a lord, somebody has a title lord in a movie, they're the bad guy. Every time. And there's a space where, yeah, that anybody that's going to try to be Lord that's not Jesus is going to end up doing it wrong. But we can immediately begin to caution ourselves with this Lordship title. So we need to understand that he's a good Lord. We're, we're going to do a little, little grow up in church test, okay? Some of you are going to get this and some of you are not. And I love that all of you are here today. And so, but I, I'm going to say something and if you know how to respond, you'll respond. And so, but I'm just going to say, God is good. And all the time. And that is the truth, and it needs to be on our lips that easily. That he is good all the time. He is a good Lord. If we're not convinced in our hearts that he's a good Lord, we're going to have the veil up. We're going to have the protection. We're going to have the thing to conceal. It just happened. We have to understand that he is a good Lord and that he is here to serve. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why is Jesus King of Kings and Lord of Lords? It's because nobody has served humanity like Jesus. Jesus came to serve. Jesus still serves. And that's why we can choose to let him be Lord because he is here to serve. And let's look at it. Jesus made sure his disciples understood this when he was with them right before he goes to the cross. Let's look at John chapter 13. Verse, we'll go ahead and start in verse 1 and 2 and then you'll, we'll jump in with 3. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew. He was conscious. He was aware. In this scenario, he's aware that the God of all creation, of all time, of all power, had put all power and authority in Jesus' control, in Jesus' possession. He was aware of that. And let's look at what he does in that space of awareness. So, he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. And Jesus answered, he said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. Here is a space where Jesus was aware that all power was under, had been given to him. And what does he do with that power? He gets on his hands and knees and he washes his disciples' feet. That is what he does with his power. He uses it to serve. That's why we can let him have the space of lordship in our lives because he's going to use that to serve. He's going to use it. He's not here to dominate. He is here to liberate. He is here to move us forward. But the thing is, is he can't do it. He won't force it. We have to choose it. We have to give him that space in our lives. And if we don't do it intentionally, if we don't say, yes, I want you to do that, we can't embrace it. And I love what happens here in this space. Jesus reminded his, his disciples, reminded Peter, says, you're clean. You're clean. Those who bathe, those who are clean, they need only to wash their feet. There's a space where we're, like we started this message there are times where we just look at our, we've looked at our lives and they're just a mess. They're a dirty, grimy, messed up mess. 
And we come to Jesus with a close. I don't even know how you're going to do this, but Lord, Lord, fix it. Lord, here it is. I just, I just give you this mess. And then we step into our fullness of our life in Christ and we're walking this out and we've not all of a sudden just gone off the rails and, and just totally trashed our life again. We're, we're, we're walking where God has called us to walk, where, where life has called us to walk. And Jesus ministered to his disciples. He got down on his hands and knees and he washed their feet, not because they were a bunch of stinky old fishermen and they, those guys needed a bath and this was an unventilated upper room. No, no, it was, it was because as they were walking with him, some grime, some stuff got on their feet. It's just part of life. It just will begin to build up. And part of lordship isn't just going to Jesus when we feel like, yeah, I've blown it. Yeah, this is messed up. Yeah, this is murky and messy. And praise God, we can bring those things to him. But real genuine lordship is letting him wash our feet every day. And he's like, Brandon, you don't know, but you've had this interaction and, and this, this, this little thing pretty much irritated you and you started to, to build up a, a little bit of place of, of irritation. And that's going to bleed over into your ministry. And Brandon, I, I, ju- I just want to wash that off. Brandon, I just need you to release that. They weren't pushing back against you. They were pushing back against me. And I need you to forgive. Okay, thank you, Lord. Because if I don't, if I don't let him be Lord, if I don't let him wash me every day, then all of a sudden I can begin to get a buildup. I can begin to pack on some little layers of clay and dirt. And all of a sudden I've kind of got this artificial soul that is now built up a veil. It's built up a layer that doesn't allow the real me, the honest me to interact with life. That's a covered me that's walking around and interacting and not being fully who God's called me to be. Lordship is letting him serve. Letting him wash the daily grime off of our lives. Letting him do that before it builds up, before it turns into something, before we end up in a dead-end ditch. That is what this whole space is about. God wants to move us from glory to glory. And if you've got this far from going from ditch to ditch to ditch, praise God. He's, he'll, he'll dig you out of every ditch you get yourself in. But where he wants you is moving from glory to glory. He wants you moving forward. And the only way that happens is in a space called lordship. John it keeps going in verse 13. It says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Here's the cool thing. When we let him cleanse us and wash us and let him be Lord he then calls us into the space to be a part of that church should be a place where the dust of where we've walked gets knocked off as we interact with one another small group should be a place your Christian friends should be a place where the dust of life and the things the enemy wants to attach to you just doing life just where we've walked 
the natural dust that comes up. He wants us to be co-ministers in this space. This is where God is calling us. As we wrap up, I want to remind us of 2 Corinthians 3.17 one more time. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Our bottom line is that a good Lord it equals a good life. And we need to have fully embrace his lordship to step into the full life he's called us to live. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram. 